This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as well, like we always do. How you doing, Rich? Oh, man. I am doing really, really well. The NBA is underway. Uh, the Raptors and Pelicans are playing as we speak. And uh, yeah, Buddy Heald is going to be a Sacramento King for a long time. He is locked up. Uh, there was lots of hand wringing, uh, excuse me, hand wringing and fretting over this, uh, including these two hands I've got here attached to my body as well. Uh, I was pretty nervous about uh, some of you know the way this negotiation went. It was a little bit unsettled by how outwardly frustrated Buddy Heald was, but. Man, this deal is done, and it's really nice for the Kings. This is a great number that they got him at, right? This is an amazing number, and it's very surprising after all the talk that you were mentioning. Um, there was even a point where he said he wasn't going to take $100 million, um, was really looking for closer to that 110 mark, it seemed like. And, yeah, it, it, there's four years, 86, in base guaranteed. And then there's eight million in what's defined as likely incentives, which could get him up to ninety-four million. And then there's another twelve million in unlikely incentives that could get it to one oh six. Um, do you want to kind of define what some of those likely and unlikely incentives are? Yeah. So my understanding of it is basically that a likely incentive is something that uh, I believe the way the rule is is written, it has to have been something that player had accomplished in the, in the previous year, or maybe it's in the past couple of previous years. But uh, the bar is you know, fairly low, but it does protect the Kings against injury, for example. So um, for the first year, one of the reachable incentives is, or the likely incentives is to play 70 games or more and shoot 85% from the free throw line. That'll earn Buddy an extra half million dollar in that first year of the contract. And yeah, I mean, that definitely is, is one of those things where you feel like, okay, well, if he is healthy, he's, he's going to hit that. Right. Yeah. Last year, 82 games year before 80 um, overall. And then the year before that 82, he's always been healthy and we know how great of a shooter is that usually translates to the free throw line. Um, 88% last year. So that definitely is. And then the next one here is uh, average fewer than two turnovers per game, which the only way that that doesn't happen for Buddy is if he trends in the wrong direction. It was 1.8 last year. So it is kind of close to that. 
Um, and with him seemingly uh, being a little bit maybe more comfortable with his handle, maybe that uh, he could get up that high, but I wouldn't think so. Um, I, I would think that he also gets that one as well, right? Yeah, I think so, um, especially with the you know the addition of Corey Joseph, who will be doing a lot of the backup ball handling, secondary ball handling. Uh, you know, we're not putting the ball in Buddy Heald's hands. I don't think the team is expecting him to do much with the ball in terms of passing. He's just he's basically expected to put the ball in the basket. So I'm not seeing like that uh, trend changing. I'm not seeing him you know, taking more of a facilitator role going forward. So that should not be an issue. Uh, and then we also have lead the league in three and made three pointers, but that also I've, I've seen a note that that doesn't necessarily mean first in the league. I saw a note that said it was something like top three or top five. I haven't been able to track down the exact verbiage in the contract, but essentially, you know, be one of the leaders in the league in made three pointers That'll net him another half million. And then there's also one here about posting a defensive rating below 110.5 for another half million. So this is basically, you know, again, the way to think about this is if Buddy Heald is who he was last year, then these likely incentives kick in, meaning that for my mind, the way that I'm thinking about this, this contract should be basically considered a four-year $94 million uh, contract. Yeah, I agree there. And the three point made one is interesting. Um, I don't think he'll catch a James Harden and Steph Curry. Both of those guys were the only ones above 300 and also the only ones above 350 made last year. Um, and then the clear second tier is Paul George and Buddy Heald. So I think he'll be top five. Um, and I would guess, uh, again, just guessing that it's not him being the very first one, if it's considered a likely incentive. Um, but yeah, that I, I'm in the same boat with you there. I, I'm looking at this as a four years, 94, but that's an amazing deal. I know we already said that, but it, it really is like, that is great value for what the Kings are getting here. And, uh, and you were one person that really sort of, uh, maybe didn't expect this, but you had a good argument on why he is worth closer to this range rather than that. 110 because he is a fairly flawed player even though he is elite in one aspect of the game yeah and I, I'll stand by that I think that Buddy Heald is you know about a 20 to 25 million dollar per season player right now um, you know I, I don't know I, I, I feel like that the truth of that statement has kind of borne itself out here in the negotiation process um, you know I, this is can we also mention here that this this deal is declining, which, I mean, my goodness, right. Ken Cannonella has been doing some phenomenal things with this team. I, this is, you know, I, I actually, I don't know. I, we were just talking before we started recording about playing some old clips in these episodes, maybe to point out where we were right or where we were terribly wrong about some things that we've said before. I feel pretty good about saying that I felt like the Kings were going to try to offer the Harrison Barnes deal to Buddy Heald. And if you look at this deal before incentives, this is essentially the Harrison Barnes deal. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's a bit more than that. Uh, yeah, because of those likely incentives that he'll be getting. But 
Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, you, you called this pretty close. I think most people were expecting higher, but you were definitely on with this. And, uh, and then maybe some, uh, just to mention some of the, uh, the unlikely incentives. Love uh, these. Love these. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These are allowing Buddy to fully bet on himself. You know, one of them, be named an all-star, um, which has a chance. Yes. Um, help the Kings make the playoffs. Has Amazing. a chance. Yeah. Uh, make it to the second round of the playoffs. Love it. Not the most likely, but yeah, it's great to throw in there. And then each uh, series after that, make it to the Western Conference Finals and help the Kings make the NBA Finals. So It's a cool million on that Finals appearance. I love mean, that. You, got, you gotta love shit, that. Give them a million if, if the Kings make it. Why not? Well, that's absolutely like the logic here is you see, buddy, you see where he's at right now. Yeah, absolutely. $22 million a year guy. Love that. Love the value. Solid value. No one's going to look at that and say the Kings got ripped off. That's a fair market deal. And then you also want to amend to that. Like I think we were saying, he could be better than that. He could grow into more than that. And if he does, guess what? Like He gets rewarded for doing that. He gets the money that he deserves for doing that. If he does become an all-star, we would all agree then he deserves more, and he will he will get exactly that. Right. It be it could become a positive value, which uh, the Jalen deal is one that you can't say that for. Um, I love this. No, yeah, go on. He he could play himself into that contract, I think, but I don't think he can play himself above it like some of these other ones. Dejounte Murray I, can outperform the four year sixty four. You know, so yes, can play yes. close to maybe higher, maybe that nearly 20 million annually i love that you are admitting this because you know the first thing i did when i saw that Jalen brown deal was text you what a terrible deal it was yeah and i don't think it's horrendous but it's not a team friendly deal by any means i think Jalen can play his way into that but yeah. i don't think that it'll be a good deal um and be like a positive value you said it yourself perfectly like there's no upside to that deal right yeah. But there is upside to this Buddy Heal deal. Uh, Sabonis got al- almost four years 80. I think it's uh, 78 or 76. Uh, and yeah, Jante Murray, four years 64. That will be a steal if he is healthy. Um, you know, but we've seen what injury concerns can do to contracts. Karis Levert going on a really cheap deal. Um, Zach Levine, you know, that deal was still a little bit above market, but it probably would have been more had he not had a major injury. So that might be the biggest limiting factor in a lot of these contracts, but he healed, you know, healthy as they come and, you know, on a, t- a totally reasonable contract here. Yeah. And the Jalen one is increasing. Like it's funny to compare these last years where buddy's going to get 18.6 and Jalen's going to get 29.6. Um, okay. That's uh 29 million. I'm going to admit for Jalen Brown, obviously is a whole lot of money there. Um, and another one to throw in there, I think Torian Prince got a two years, 30 million, but that's a little bit of a different situation since Brooklyn wouldn't have had cap space, no matter it doesn't really, um, affect them in that sort of way. No opportunity risk there, but yeah, I I guess, uh, maybe one way we can close on this. Do you feel like Murray or healed is a better deal here? And I know there's a big question with the Murray injury, but. Oh, I'm sorry. You you mean DeJounte, not not uh, yeah, Jamal. sorry, not Jamal. Dejounte Murray and Buddy. Because we let me say that we've discussed Jamal Murray's deal 
uh, as a comparison to Buddy Heald or as players, uh, they were drafted one spot apart. Uh, of course, Jamal Murray is much younger, but man, this deal makes Denver look a little bit silly, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that DeJounte has some of the arguments of Buddy where maybe he's not quite as one-dimensional, but I don't think, uh, not DeJounte, I'm sorry, that Jamal uh, doesn't really bring anything on the defensive side of the ball. And yeah, especially comparing some of these other ones. I mean, Siakam couldn't get five years and DeJounte did. Yeah, that's crazy. But to answer your question, I think that is just an injury concern thing where if Buddy Heald were coming off, you know, a major knee injury, then I think he's in that, you know, 460 range as well. So I, I, I can't re- – I, I don't know. I struggle to judge, you know, what contract is better just based on I ha- I, I'm not a doctor and I know nothing of DeJounte's right. health. But the point is, is that it's one of the better deals that were made during this extension talks. Absolutely. And especially when we both felt that Buddy was going to get more. I mean, I was my original guess about the Harrison Barnes offer that came before some of the more pointed words that Buddy Heald had with the front office. And you and I and Tim Maxwell, our guests, and a lot of people uh, were starting to cave towards what he was talking about because of the potential catastrophe of having one of your best players demand a trade, if that was indeed ever a real possibility, which we can't say for sure. We don't know what happened, you know, was going on in his mind. But, you know, I was willing to go for 100 in guaranteed money for sure. So, yeah, th- to me, this is wonderful. What a great day. Sacramento got an MLS team on the same day, officially announced. I mean, Monday was a huge day for Kings fans in Sacramento, anyone in Sacramento. If you love sports, you loved Monday, October 21st, 2019. Yeah, and maybe we can say what this means for uh, Bogdanovich a little bit here. It means they're obviously going to have more space to potentially bring him back. That uh, four years, 51.4, will be on the table all season, but don't expect him to sign that. And the free agent market is rough now. You know, Drummond and... I believe uh, DeRozan has a player option he could potentially turn down and be some of the biggest fish out there, but the teams with money are young, and I don't know why they'd be interested in those. So it feels like Bogdanovich and potentially Brandon Ingram could be uh, a lot of interest to these teams, and even then, I don't see Ingram having a great deal out there for him. But I think Bogdanovich is going to get a decent offer, I think somewhere – in that 15 to 20 million range and the Kings could pay it. Yeah. I think that the Kings should pay it pretty much no matter what the cost, because if you get a guy that ends up getting a max offer, if Bogdanovich ends up with a max offer, that means he had an incredible season and he's shown that he's an incredible player. Um, I don't think that will happen. I think it'll be closer to 480. Um, I would I would put my guess right now at 480 if he goes into free agency. But, and I'll say this, we just talked about it, injuries are the number one factor that I've been able to distinguish between guys that seem to go above market or below market. And Bogey's had two, albeit minor surgeries in his same knee. But, uh, you know, I really, I've said this before. I said it last year. Right, you know, right as the season was ending, I felt like 
Bogdanovich should consider taking that max if it were out there. The the current max of four years, $51.4 million. I don't think that that's crazy. For, for a guy that will be uh, almost 28 or, or 28 years old and who has had multiple surgeries on the same knee, who has had a lot of miles playing in a lot of international basketball, you know, I don't think that's insane. And who hasn't proven that he's a starting level player yet. I think that he is. I think there are many teams that he could start for. However, I don't know. I mean, his rookie year was better than his second year. He had a down year last year. His second half of his second year was pretty bad. He had a terrible, truly terrible slump in the post-All-Star break uh, of 2018-19. I don't know. If he gets another, you know, ding, another serious, not serious, but like another moderate injury where he's out, you know, two to four weeks and it's in that same knee that's having those same issues. If I'm Bogdanovich, I'm signing that deal. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think it's crazy for him to accept it, but I do definitely understand that there will be more out there than that. What is it? 12 and a half annually. You know, like I think Justin Rowe to mention Cleveland would be interested, which is a little intriguing to me considering they have two point guards already there. Um, Memphis, potentially Atlanta. There is some questionable fits, but I, I think that teams might be interested in there's there is good reason for him to believe that he could have more than that out there. The big question, obviously, like you said, is that injury. But also if he did have a repeating injury, the Kings can can take back that offer and lower it if they were uncomfortable with it, depending on the injury. It would, yeah. I mean, I imagine that it would have to be a significant injury for right. him to pull it off the table. But I think that if there is like concern around it, that's that's fair risk mitigation because that's that's when I came, that's where I came at it was when he was going through a little bit of soreness. Um, he had been through that slump, and this was before his play in the FIBA World Cup as uh, you know, it, unbelievably like elite level player. And there's also worth noting that he'll be a lot older than most restricted free agents when he hits the market. It's not like Brandon Ingram who will be what, 23, you know, like that. Right. It's not really the same situation. So I don't know. I, I think like we've seen the market fall out on guys that are his age and maybe they're the offers are more like two years, 40, 45. I don't know. I don't think it would be insane for him to take it, but obviously you don't take it now. You're riding the hot streak that you, that you had playing for Serbia. You're healthy right now. You're feeling good. You're shooting the ball well in preseason. You don't take it now, but you know, if there's question marks, I'm not going to rule out him taking that deal at some point, but yeah, like you said, the upside is there for him to get, you know, an $80 million deal or a little bit more. Yeah, and I think it's good for the Kings that he's betting on himself here, showing that he doesn't have those injury concerns. You know, obviously we want him to be healthy and he feels like he's going to be, I think, uh, is part of the reading between the lines of him not accepting that. But um, are you going to move on to some of the smaller moves that happened with the Kings over the last couple of days? Yes, I am. I'll throw out there, there are guys like, you know, Dinwiddie that take that, that max extension, that max um, uh, veteran extension. And it works, seems to work out okay. Guys like Dinwiddie, guys like, um, you know, Karis LeVert got a nice little deal there. That wasn't 
from a veteran extension. But there are guys that take smaller deals and they feel that it works for them. So we will see. But yes, let's move on. I want to get to the final roster moves for the Sacramento Kings. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. This also happened yesterday on Monday, um, a solidifying of the final roster. The Sacramento Kings claimed Daquan Jeffries off of waivers. He was cut by the Magic. And um, yeah, this reported by James Hamm that uh, Jeffries was, was picked up and Tyler Lydon was cut in order to make room for him, um, as well as Wenyan Gabriel being converted to an NBA contract. And, of course, um, we haven't talked too much about it, but Hollis Thompson and Ulis, Tyler Ulis were waived a couple of days ago. And then back on October 11th, uh, Eric, Mika, and Isaiah Panera were waived. That leaves the Kings at 15 plus the two two-way players. But, yeah, let's talk about Daquan Jeffries. What do you know about this guy? I can't pretend to know anything about Daquan Jeffries. I did a little bit of research after he signed. Uh, just basic, you know, 6'4", 216. Uh, it was a little questionable to me to get what feels like a two guard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you look like you have a couple notes from Nate Miller, right? Someone that would probably know a little bit more about this guy. Yes, I had conversations with Nate Miller and Bryant West of Sacktown Realty. These are our two kind of resident draft guys. And uh, I'll tell you what, dude, they both love this guy, like straight up love this guy. He was, um, if you'll recall, Nate Miller did a massive aggregate draft board where he put together like every mock draft that he could find and found averages of each player's rank in the mock drafts. And we, he, you know, he talked about that with us, uh, when I was actually on my honeymoon, I remember this very vividly sitting there uh, in Mexico, enjoying the day, enjoying the view and, and looking through this insane spreadsheet uh, with like the most information you could possibly ever find. And he was number 41, which put him, by the way, solidly ahead of anyone the Kings actually drafted. Yeah. And, you know, the player comps that you have written down here that Nate gave you were a P.J. Tucker and Sterling Brown. I think he's a little smaller than P.J. Tucker, and, and I see sort of the size of a Sterling Brown. But And you also have your seven-foot wingspan and 37% from three in college. I mean, we were pushing for like a Corey Brewer to come back around. But if you somehow found a something in the rough here, a 22-year-old that can be a 3-and-D guy, that maybe, you know, Ariza's running with the starting guys a little bit. You need to give him a few minutes. Maybe this guy, if he really can play just a 3 and D role, you can never have too many of those on your roster. Yeah, you mentioned 6'4". Do you have the official Kings roster sheet in front of you? I don't. To be fair, I have basketball reference here, which okay. only has his basic information. No and stats that, or anything. Yeah, and that could be kind of old considering he – 
you know, it could be college measurements and he could have technically grown a little bit, but right. I've seen him at six, five and I've seen him with that seven foot wingspan. Can't put shoes on that. You know what I mean? So, uh, I think that, I don't know, he plays pretty big from what I have gathered. You know, I, I don't see him as a shooting guard. I don't think people consider him a shooting guard. I think people consider him a wing, maybe like a David Nwaba sized kind of guy. Um, you know, and, and the shooting appears to be there. He had a little bit of a down year, his season year in Tulsa, uh, 35 to 36% from three, but you know, really for close a down to, year. Yeah. Yeah. And really close to 40 the year before that. So, okay. And, and, uh, about 18 points per game in each of those seasons. That's, that's pretty decent. And I'll tell you what I keep reading about him is that it's not so much the size or the length, but his ability to use it where he is not a, we think of three and D as kind of generally a uh, on ball defense. You, you know, you, you launch the three and you stay in front of your man. But what I've heard with this guy is he's disruptive and that he <clears throat> can switch and he's intelligent on defense. So I, I, I think that, and this is, this is something I've heard from a few different people that this might be the best player. This might be the best rookie on the Sacramento Kings roster this year. Yeah, I saw Tim throw that around a little bit too. And I think that there's a real chance he gets the most opportunity because of kind of what I mentioned, the role that he's fitting where there wasn't quite a third string small forward. And really, I mean, you can always use those guys. Like I said, yeah, ESPN has him listed a little bigger here. They have him at 6'5", 230, uh, which probably is more updated. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. Why not? I mean, we'll see how many minutes he really gets come regular season. But from everything that you're saying, it seems like a good signing, not giving up anything for him. Yeah, 6'5", 230, that's what it is on the Kings roster sheet as well. So, yeah, I mean, who, who, who knows about height? Who cares about height? Uh, I don't care. None, none of these heights matter, but um, I, you just got to see him on the court and see how big he plays. So I have yet to do that on – I've not seen him play in any NBA level. I guess there probably is some tape out there of him in the preseason. I've certainly not watched that. But, um, yeah, when guys like Nate Miller have good things to say about him, when guys like Bryant West have good things to say about him, um, you know, it's a good sign. Definitely. Someone to be keeping an eye on here. And then we mentioned it quickly as well, Winyan Gabriel being converted to an NBA contract. That is uh, great for him. You know, played great in Stockton last year. I know we, we really liked what we saw from him at the California Classic. And a guy that has some interesting versatility, and it seems like the Kings were trying him in a lot of positions. He played three to five during preseason. Yeah, unfortunately, I personally believe that he's neither the three nor the five. I think that he's yeah. a stretch four. I've talked about it several times over that I think that he is next in line for Nemanja Bielitsa's role when Bielitsa, when his contract is over or when he ages out or when, you know, if he's traded, if he's moved, which I think we somehow came down on him as the most likely player to be traded from this roster. I don't know that that makes a ton of sense to me. Um, I think we generally feel like no one's really likely to be traded necessarily or no one in particular. But, yeah, I think that he's next in line. If he can get his free throw 
shooting down pat. I know it's a struggle for pretty much every Sacramento King, with the exception of Buddy Heald, perhaps. Um, if he can get that under control, he's got a really nice stroke from three. He's long. He's relatively big, listed at 6'9". Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's he plays with energy. He's he going to have to – he does. He's going to have to tighten up on some, you know, some read defense a little bit of, you know, once the defensive IQ is there, which is going to come with playing and practicing with NBA players a little bit. But yeah, I, I'm excited for Wingen. And uh, I'll tell you, Bryant West, th- th- this is his guy. This is his guy. And it's been his guy from day one. Yeah, we'll see what he does. You know, he's still only 22 years old. So it makes sense, like you're saying, being next in line after Bielitsa. There's potential there. And, fits a lot of the rest of the young core that if he can grow into being one of those pieces, but that's most of those moves. And I think we're ready to lock in on some of these predictions, final predictions before the season starts set in stone to either brag about later or try to hide. Final, final predictions. We've talked, we've thrown out some different numbers uh, in this past couple weeks we will be locked in today. I'm sure we will go back and cut out clips of this segment in order to humiliate one another soon enough. But yeah, let's go ahead and lock it in. Yeah, where do you want to start with this? Do you want to do quickly, like very quickly, our predictions for the NBA awards uh, league-wide? I think that's a good way to go. Who, right. Who's your MVP? I'm going uh, Nikola Jokic here. I really think that the Denver Nuggets are my number one team in the West in the regular season. So I and I think with Jokic, with his insane numbers, like that's to me, I'm going MVP with him. And it's you'll notice about me, I am never going to choose the favorite. I'm just, I'm just a weirdo who does not. I, I, I hate. Listen, I hate the New York Yankees. I hate the Los Angeles Lakers. I hate the Dallas Cowboys. I hate the New England Patriots. I hate the Boston Celtics. Throw that one in there for you. <laughs> I'm just never going to go with, like, the number one obvious choice. I think Giannis is the best, safest bet, but I'm going Jokic. Yeah, I went with Giannis. Jokic is my second, um, but I, I think that – I guess it's a similar argument to Jokic, uh, but I think that Giannis does absolutely everything for the Bucks team like it's built perfectly around him and yeah you can say the exact same thing for Jokic I just think the Bucks are a little bit more successful come regular season um, those are my one seeds in both the east and the west though so I have Giannis beating out uh, Jokic there and then for defense player of the year I'm going for the three-peat I'm going for Rudy Gobert I again went the favorite here um, wow you're playing it safe I see I guess for these first two um and yeah, I, I mean, there's not much to say on why Gobert is the guy here. You know, major impact. I kind of had Giannis as my runner-up there, but um, yeah, I, I went with Gobert. I think that just everything that he does, nothing's going to be changing. I think that uh, as long as he stays healthy, he's the one to win it here. Give me Joel Embiid. You know, I love that Philly defense. You know, I love just the the length in Philly. I think he gets credit for being the centerpiece of the best defense in the league and maybe in a long time in the league. So yeah, I love that defense. Love Embiid here for, you know, if he can stay healthy, this is my guy. 
moving what, on to rookie what of the year. stopped me on Embiid real quick because i had that exact same argument i think it's the best defense he's the centerpiece i don't think he's going to play enough games yep like i said health dependent but moving on to rookie of the year uh and i'll have you know i tweeted this out before zion was hurt it's john morant i always go this way i voted uh, uh you know i put i guessed trey young last year i think rookie point guards just get numbers you know, I was wrong. It should have. It was Luca. I that was the populist pick, and I was not right. But I think this year, uh, my guy John Morant will get it. So I think the biggest impact rookie will be DeAndre Hunter, but I don't think that his numbers are going to be enough to win the Rookie of the Year. And I'm going a different point guard. I'm going with Darius Garland. Um, I, I think that he looks a bit more composed, and John Morant seem to really be able to overpower and use his athleticism uh, in the college game that he will have trouble, trouble, more trouble adapting to the NBA game. And I, I just love the smoothness of Garland. His stroke is amazing. Um, so we got, we both got point guards here, but I'm going Garland on this one. Fair enough. Um, let's go to coach of the year. I picked coach Spo of the Miami heat. I think that, I was a little bit hotter on the Heat a couple of days ago when I put out this this tweet, but I'm keeping sticking to it. I think that he could really do something special with this team. I just believe in his ability to make somewhat mediocre players into really quality defensive players, and now he's got a star in Jimmy Butler. I think they could get all the way up to the three seed. I don't have them at the three seed, uh, but – I think that's a real possibility, and I think that if they do, he will get his wreck. And I just think he's a great coach, but who do you have? He definitely is a great coach. Um, I have Mike Malone. I think that, uh, like I mentioned, Denver's going to be the one seed, and I really think he could have won it last year, but people are going to see how amazingly that he runs that offense through Jokic, um, and, and I think a bit more of the credit will go to the coaching here. Uh, Budenholzer would have been up there as well, obviously, but winning it last year and seeing the way that he changed that Bucks team, it'll just be a lot of the same of last year. Um, yeah, I'm going Mike Malone because I think they get a lot of wins and he really brings the best out of these mid-range level players that he's got going on there. Um, who we got next? We have, you want to do, let's do six man of the year. I went with Terrence Ross. I think oh, that, I thought you were going bogey. I was ready for bogey right here, for real. I debated it, but I think that numbers-wise, Terrence Ross, I think he did a good job last year, but the at, um, Orlando is really reliant on his offense. And I think that he will get enough numbers to pull in the votes for six-man of the year here. Yeah, I think that bogey has a real – Real shot to be the best bench player, but when it comes to these these awards, what happens is it's so it ends up being numbers based. Like as far as we've come as like a basketball fan community and a basketball analyst community in getting away from raw counting stats, that's what these awards come down to. Right. So and it's it just that's the way that it is right now. It's it's gonna be the last thing that that people just look at points per game, and that's where the voters vote. Sadly, but. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said for you want a guy that's going to be playing with, you know, he was the undisputed option on the, off the bench. Like that is going to be coming in and playing with kind of a bad second unit so that he can soak up all the usage. 
And I think that Bogey is going to be playing with a pretty good bench, and that might actually take away from some of his his raw counting stats. So I'm going to go with Spencer Dinwiddie here, and I like the comp. I want Bogdan to be the Kings Dinwiddie one day. I want him to take that nice little discounted contract too. But, yeah, I think Dinwiddie is going to do a lot of work, um, you know, playing the Kyrie role in the second unit and playing next to Kyrie a little bit as well. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think Dinwiddie's going to close some games when they have a little bit of a three-guard lineup with Dinwiddie, Levert, and Irving there. Dinwiddie's nice on the defensive end as as well. I like that one. Most improved player. Um, Again, a lot of this is counting stats. You know, like I said, I would have picked Hunter for rookie of the year, but in regards to his impact and who I really think will be the best rookie, but the counting stats made me go with Garland. Most improved player. Can Terry Rozier win most improved player if his team wins 20 games? No, right? No. Okay. Because I think he could double his points and maybe like slightly raise the efficiency. If he becomes like a passable player, then I guess. Like if he goes from nine points last year to 18 this year, which I don't think is too crazy considering the Charlotte roster. It's actually a really good, really good uh, call here. I, I actually really like that. I never would have thought of that because I just would never think of a Charlotte Hornet for an award. Right. And I came to the conclusion I don't think he can win it with 20 wins because I think they're the worst team. I'm going Jason Tatum. Um, Ew. Call me biased, blah, 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 whatever. Why? Because he is taking so many attempts compared to the rest of the Celtics this year. He is taking more attempts than Kemba Walker. He's taking the most attempts on the team. He's quick decision-making. In the preseason. Right. Okay. But he's, he's decision-making is so much quicker. He's thinking less and just feeling and reacting more. I think it's it, – you're going to finally see the jump that people were sort of looking for from him and Mitchell in one to two that it'll happen this year. Yeah. All right, whatever. I, I think he was too good of a rookie to get – a most improved player um like you gotta i mean i think you kind of got to struggle to get there like I, that's why i think rosier is a good a better pick but it's possible um mine is uh Dejounte. he's coming back from injury this is classic this is a classic narrative right here right you, you you he wasn't you know fully there he was still growing still becoming the player that he uh was meant to be then he missed a whole year and here he comes back with a vengeance. Should be starting for the Spurs. That's a solid organization of, you know, maybe the best organization out there. They're not going to have the most wins, but he will be, you know, on a playoff team, question mark, and uh, will be putting up really nice numbers, really nice defensive stats as well. I, I believe in him, but – all right, let's. I don't have. We don't have time. I don't think to do all our standings and stuff. But let's get to. Let's do our finals pick, and then we will do. We will cement our final Kings predictions here with win totals. You've been hopping around. I've been. I've been sticking on on a lower number. But um, give me your finals real quick. You know who beats who in the finals and, and how many games? Real quick. It's going to be Clippers Sixers. And the Sixers have home court advantage. The Clippers take it in six. All right. I got the same matchup, but I got the Sixers in seven. Love that defense. They get it done at home. 
just love that team. Falling in love with that team. But, yeah, it, it's rough for me who on the Clippers stops Joel Embiid. I mean, yeah. And I, I mean, if anyone can – for me, this is also a little bit of hedging regarding the health concerns with Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard, frankly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with the Sixers. I, it's tough because I don't know that they have their – I mean, there's health concerns with them too, and I don't know that they have their guy who's like – truly ready to take over a playoff run you know i i i want to think that joel is that guy but i don't know i don't know if simmons shooting will keep him from being that guy i don't know i i think that jimmy could have been that guy last year but they obviously met a immovable object in Kawhi leonard but yeah that's my pick and i'm sticking to it now your king's total you have given me 40 wins uh, as of five days ago. You gave me 46 wins yep. two days ago. Where are you today, and where shall you remain? Yeah, so my 46 was because I switched to they're making the playoffs. And on the spot, I'm like, okay, what's the lowest number they can make the playoffs with? And I felt like it was about 46. I dug back a little bit more. I think they can win less games and make the playoffs. I met in the middle here. I have 43 wins and them making the playoffs as the eighth seed. It's low, but I think a lot of the teams down to about the 12-13 seed in the West are going to come up with a good amount of wins. And, yeah, I'm going 43 and barely sneaking in as eighth seed. Every game matters. I think your logic is tremendously flawed. You've, you've worked yourself into a logic puzzle that has convinced yourself to take the – unlikely scenario on both ends where it's already unlikely that they make the playoffs. So you're already going against the odds there. And then you're taking them to win very few games. I think you like, I think this, the Kings making the playoffs with 43 wins is essentially impossible. I think, I think like you, you, you split the difference in the wrong way where you could have gone. I think you got to look at this team and, and think about how good they are. And then from there, say if that's playoffs or not, not be like, I decided they're a playoff team, and but you know they're actually not good enough to win 44, 45, 46 games. But I'm just gonna say that the eighth seed wins. Well, 43. it's that they'll win more games than the Golden State Warriors, the team they take out, and I think the Warriors are winning less than 43 games there. Yeah, I just think it's flawed. I mean, what it was 48 was you needed to get in last year, right? It's a pretty big drop. Yeah, and then there was a massive drop-off after that, though, to that Kings 41. So I think if teams a little below that start picking them up, the, the Warriors aren't going to win this ridiculous amount. There will be some to take from there. It is a big drop. I, I realize I, I got a pretty hot take here, but that's, that's what I'm sticking with. That's my final one. All right, I hope that one day you get to replay that clip of me calling you a buffoon for saying that. I'm ready. Because uh, you were right. I, I hope, I truly hope. But... <laughs> It's weird now because I have them essentially where you have them. I, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick with my guns at 42. I know that's a little bit Debbie Downer of me. I get it. I'm the pessimist of pretty much any room that I'm in. But um, I will make this argument. That's still a healthy margin above where most people have them. Um, their over-under is right around 39 wins. So I've got them clearing that by a lot but still not making the playoffs. Right. 
And then can we just agree they're in this tier of San Antonio, Golden State? Is there anyone else you throw in there? I'll throw Dallas in there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's where it's at here. Um. Hey, guys, just want to give you a quick reminder that if you like what you're listening to, we'd really appreciate a quick rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're getting this podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we'd love to interact with you. We can take your questions, answer them on the podcast as well. That is at Kings underscore Pulse. We also got an Instagram, Kings underscore Pulse, and we are the official podcast of uh, Reddit r slash Kings. We got a sticky thread on there if you want to ask questions. So we really appreciate it, and, and thank you very much for listening. The Kings Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, that's that's what I'm closing with here. I got 43 in playoffs. You got 42 in not playoffs. Either way, you know, getting that many wins in playoffs doesn't really define a success this year necessarily. It would be great to see, but you want to see development from the players, um, them meshing well together as a team, and the defense improving, mainly focusing on these young core pieces that we got moving forward. Is there any other predictions we need to lock in, or do we move on to this uh, this homo or this opener that we got? Well, to me, I'll just say on on the back of that, the the success for this season is being a winning team, having a winning record. So that's 42, 42 and forty. That to me is a victory, and and that's where I'm at. But no, we got it now. Let's let's do this. Our first preview of the year. Let's talk for ten minutes about this. Suns Kings game tomorrow, 7 p.m. in Arizona. Yeah, I was just writing something previewing this season series because I was doing every team in the division and wrote with someone from the fan side to cover the Suns. And he was saying that, you know, the focus for the Suns this year is uh, obviously trying to stay healthy, um, looking to improve that defense because it was horrendous last year, um, which don't expect that to really happen. And three-point shooting, that they're going to get up a lot of threes, but they were also dead last in three-point percentage last year. So a lot of the Suns are trying to change their culture and get things set, and that was what the Kings were successfully able to do last year. Like, the Kings are just a step ahead of this team, and we talked about it when when we uh, compared all the, team, all the team matchups for the Kings that I don't really see Phoenix giving – the Kings much of an issue anywhere aside from maybe Devin Booker. And I mentioned, I would want to see Fox try to lock him up. Yeah. To me, this team is trash. I, I'm listen, I'm being very inflammatory, uh, very pejorative here. I apologize to all these Suns fans listening to this podcast, which is no one uh, because why would you, uh, this is a Kings <laughs> podcast. Good You're going to get a message from the one Suns fan. But listen, Marcin Gortat went on the record in in his native language to call this a brothel on wheels, I believe. 
Uh, this organization is a dumpster fire. Um, yeah, sorry guys, your whole situation is rough. Uh, trading the sixth pick for Cam Johnson and Darius Saric. You, listen, we all make mistakes. We all make <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> Sacramento knows all too well that you know everyone makes mistakes, and sometimes you do it for a decade. But yeah, this team is no bueno. And I'll tell you right now, if the Kings lose this game, I'm going to be in a very fragile mental state. Yeah, understandably. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so Bagley had his career high against this team last year. I was there. It was great. Um, 32, a, baby. Yeah, it's a lot of these cleanups. Like you said, because the Suns play messy, that he's able to just get these boards and easy putbacks. Do you have the Suns as the worst team in the West? I have them as the most depressing team in the West. Nice. Yeah, no, I think Memphis will be worse I uh, in terms of wins and losses. But I think... Like in terms of like where a franchise stands, I think they might be the worst team in the league. Like it might be like I would almost rather be Charlotte. I know that's like really pushing Oof. it, but like at least Charlotte has like future flexibility and isn't like throwing away draft picks for no reason. I don't know. I I, I think that yeah. I guess I'll give the the nod to Charlotte there, but I like the vision in Cleveland better. New York is even more poorly run, but at least they have the market of like potentially one day we'll sign a superstar. No, you know, the Suns aren't thinking, hey, 2021, we have a shot at Giannis. Like that's not even, that's not even remotely possible. No. So yeah, I think that this, this team is bad, but I, I don't, I, they're not going to be like, they're going to try. They're going to try hard and fail. That's where I'm at. Yeah, which is where the depressing part comes in. You ready for a crazy hot take right now? Devin Booker requests a trade out of Phoenix this year because he's, he wanted to make playoffs last year. Clearly didn't happen. And I think it's going to be clear they're not making it this year. I love I, that. Yeah, and you know, maybe this is some random thing off the top of my head that there's some three teams somehow revolving around Culver, uh, Covington going somewhere else, and I, I swear to God, I was going to say Minnesota. Yeah, when yeah. we know these guys want to team up, Carl Anthony right. Towns and Devin Booker. Yeah, but uh, that's pretty much it for this Phoenix preview. Just the Kings need to come out and play their style of ball, uh, get up the threes, and you really should be able to turn Phoenix over, get out in transition, and it's your boy. It's your boy, man. It's Rashawn Holmes' revenge game. Oh my goodness. And, it, and what a glorious revenge it'll be. Yeah, I'm not I, – I, I, this is – listen, this is a Marvin Bagley homecoming, right? This is his oh, – this right. is his stomping ground, part of – potentially part of the reason that he I, – I thought that the 32-point performance was in Phoenix, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I'm pretty sure – I thought it was in front of his home uh, crowd. No, I have it here. Family. It was definitely home. I was at the game. The 32? Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I'm mistaken about that. But he's played well consistently uh, when he is in Phoenix. I think this is another one of those nights. Um, yeah, I think like he matches up very well against Sarge. I think that he can get the better of Aiton when Aiton is on him. Just not concerned. I mean, they don't have Rashawn Holmes backing him up anymore. I mean, what do you think about – I mean, is Baines going to slow him down ever if he's even on him? Um, slow down Bagley? Uh, I think it Bagley. I'm just looking at the. the yeah, I mean, I really I, I like Bane's rim protection, 
but he's not quick. Like if Bagley is able to uh, face him up, he's going to get past him in one step. This is a Bagley game. Um, over under Bagley, 20 points. Oh, man. Um, I'm still going to go under, I think. Because... All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna smash that over hard. All right. I'm gonna, smash that, I'm gonna smash that over hard. Let me just think of a couple other here. Um, over under Kings 36 threes. That's been one that Walton has put out there as the goal. Over under 36 threes attempted. Hmm, I'll go over because there's no perimeter defense on this team except for Mikael Bridges. Yep, I like that. I don't know why I clarified attempted as if. You can make 36 threes. That would only be right. 108 points off threes. <laughs> yeah, only, you know. Um, yeah, and over under the spread here that I saw most recently was Kings minus two. Over under, do they clear that spread? Easily. All right. Easily. Yeah, I'll take the over on all three of those. Yeah, you know, I'll throw one your way. Over under on Devin Booker, 25. I'll go over because he's all that that city and franchise has. Right. I think that's that's probably safe to go over. Yeah, so this will this is a win. This is a win. It better be a win. Um I'm ready to kick this season off the right way. And then they got the home opener a couple days later against the Portland Trailblazers. And I'm ready to get this started, man. I'm looking forward to covering this team throughout the year. I'm extremely, extremely amped, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I keep thinking about just because of the pessimist that I am. What if they lose this game? I'll, we'll probably hop on here and have an emergency podcast. But uh, no, I, I, I feel very good. There's no better way to start off your season than playing the Phoenix Suns. Um, so <laughs> I love it. I'm excited. I'm very excited for Friday as well. We will be back on here. Uh, soon enough we'll have something posted before friday's game depending on what happens tomorrow or tonight by the time you hear this we might try to get an emergency podcast up with quick reactions but uh, we'll absolutely be back by friday yeah and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the king's pulse podcast you will hear from us again in the next couple days